Good morning, let's stand. First time this morning. If you are sitting on the outside of another room, let's squeeze in to let folks come in. If you can, squeeze in the middle. Let's sing our first song. Oh, come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant, oh, come ye, oh, come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the King of angels, oh, come let us Earth and changed this world on its ear. 
Father, we also thank you for today. Because we will honor the sacrifice that was given. And we will remember the time given that you sent your son here. And because of that, we have hope and salvation. And I pray, Father, that you bless each family that's here. I pray a blessing of hope, a blessing of faithfulness, a blessing of purpose, a blessing of intentionality. Father, as we look at the rest of today, and tomorrow, and the days to come. Father, I pray a blessing on these people as they have come to worship you and lift their voices to you and their hearts. And Father, may our worship service this morning be a sweet aroma to you as we spend this time together. <clears throat> Father, we love you. We give you all praise and all glory in your son's name.
morning will be taken from the prophet Isaiah in his writings in chapter 7 and in chapter 9. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and he will call him Emmanuel. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and holding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Let's stand and sing.
crucifixion of Christ was not unique in the fact that he was crucified. There were probably hundreds, maybe thousands of people that died the same kind of death that Jesus died. It was a common way of executing those that were criminals. The thing that's unique about the crucifixion of Christ was that he was God in the flesh. That he was born in the flesh, but that he was the Son of God that came as a baby to, to Mary and to Joseph. That uniqueness made him and his crucifixion so vitally important to us. He came, he lived as God, he died a sinless life, lived a sinless life, died on the cross for something he did not deserve. Our sin was the thing that put him there. But because of that death on the cross and because of that crucifixion, you and I now have the assurance of the forgiveness of the sins through his blood. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the power of Jesus living in us. We are his church. We are his body. We are those who have a hope of eternal life because of his resurrection from the dead. So when you take all of those things together, when you take his death on the cross as the Son of God, when you take his burial, his resurrection, that gives us hope of our resurrection, then we can rejoice around this table because it commemorates, causes us to remember, blesses us each time that we take it, to recall to mind that God because of his great love for you, his great love for me, chose to come to this earth and die for us so that we can have an eternal relationship with him. Let's bow together. Father, thank you for this bread. And when we take it together, we remember not only the physical body on the cross, Father, but remember that we are now that body. Given the charge to live out our lives so that others could be blessed. Help us, Father, as the body of Jesus to always recognize him as the head and to always do what the head wants us to do, to become your glory here on this earth as we live out the life infused with us, in us, through the power of the Holy Spirit, that we can be your people to your glory in all that we are and all that we do. Help us remember, Father, who we are and how we became your body in Christ. It's in Jesus that I pray. Amen.
Let's bow again. Father, remind us as we take this fruit of the vine that without the shedding of blood, there could be no forgiveness of sins. That the blood of bulls and goats and other animals could not help us. That it took the blood, your blood, on the cross to give us the opportunity to be forgiven of our sins because it took away the guilt of those sons because Jesus died in death for us. Father, as we take this fruit of the vine, remind us again, Father, that you purchased us, you bought us, that we're yours. Help us to live our lives under your lordship, to do your will, to your glory. It's in Jesus' name. Count is one of the greatest blessings that God has given 
me an opportunity to be engaged in his work and to give to his work. I'm reminded that God already owns everything in this world. As the prophet said, as the psalmist said, he already owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He doesn't need my money. And yet he gives me the opportunity to, to serve, to express my love, to say to him, I love you, Lord. I love your work. I want to contribute to your glory. I want to contribute to the work that is unfinished here on this earth so that others can receive you and so others can be blessed by you too. So he gives us that opportunity every week. We got gifts this morning, many of us from family, from friends, from others. Many gifts that we probably didn't deserve. But this is a gift that God does deserve. He gave everything for me. And what little I can contribute back to them is a privilege to be engaged in the work that He wants done in His glory. Let's bow together. Father, my prayer is that you accept our gift as it comes from our heart to your glory, to express our love to you, our dedication to your work. And Father, my prayer is that you multiply this gift to accomplish great things to your glory in your name. It's in Jesus that I pray. Amen. Let's stand as we sing our song for the rest of this morning. Nothing much better than uh, hearing all of your voices this morning. If you didn't take the opportunity to sit on the front row, you might want to try. Let's sing. Joy to the world, the Lord is come.
came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary as espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known to us. And they came with haste, and found Mary, and Joseph, and the baby lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at these things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things, and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, as was told unto them. Merry Christmas! Again, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. It's good to be with you this morning. Glad to be here and worshiping together. And uh, as we get started, uh, I want you to think about this phrase that is behind me on the screens here, that Jesus Christ was born for this. And I know that sometimes that gets a little lost in our Christmases here in, in America, where we get so wrapped up in the cookies and the gifts and all of that 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 we want to spend a moment and remember that he was born for this. And, and as you look around each other and you see each other smiling, now you've practiced, so look around and use that same smile, the good one that you just used. Now look around and smile. As you see these people, he was born for this. Amen, church? Amen. He was born to bring us together. Uh, to actually build relationships with people that maybe we would have never had relationships with had he not been born. So he was born... For this, and Jenna and I have had this uh, really enjoyable journey over the last few weeks as we were doing a Bible study that was a Christmas season study. It was an Advent study that was entitled, He Was Born For This. Christ Was Born For This. And in this study, they had three different roles from the Old Testament that they described. 
The first one was a prophet and how Jesus fulfills all of the work of the Old Testament prophet uh, in great ways in his ministry. And the second one was priest, how Jesus is our high priest. And the third one was king. He's the king overall. And so, you know, he was born to be our prophet. He was born to be our priest. He was born to be our king. Amen? Amen, Amen with a little bit of fervor. Amen. Amen. He was born for this, right? And so he was born to do these things. And in each one of those little week-long devotionals, there was five little sub-lessons. Five lessons about how he is the perfect prophet. Five lessons how he's the priest. And five how he's... The king, and so this morning I've got just 15 points for us that we'll go through about how Jesus was born for this. Amen, church? Okay, and here's my Christmas present to you. I did lie just a little bit. We're just going to have one point this morning. Merry Christmas! Okay, and so here's what, here's what has been on my heart this week, even though Jesus was born to be prophet and priest and king. For some reason, although I really would have liked to have preached that lesson, this is the lesson that God put on my heart. And so I want to share with you this scripture from Colossians 3.15. Remember, this is spoken about people in the assembly of the church. And this is about when we are together. And Paul wrote to the Colossians, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. As we are here in this gathering that Christ was born to create, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And this word has been on my heart because this is a word that our world sorely needs. Our world really needs a little bit of peace. And so to illustrate the reasons why, I thought we would look at these two words that have been selected as the 2016 words of the year. Do you remember a, a few months ago when we were going through the series called Connected 3D? And we reviewed some of the words of the year from past years. You might remember that last year, 2015, the international word of the year was an emoji that was laughing and crying at the same time. That was the 2015 word of the year, because we don't use words anymore. We just use emojis. And words from previous years uh, included some pretty funny words. Uh, and we laughed about all of those, but this year's words were a little bit different. They weren't quite so light-hearted. And so check out this first one from the Oxford English Dictionary. They named the 2016 word of the year as post-truth. Now, like many of you, when I first heard this, I thought, that's not a word, that's two words, and they're cheating by using a hyphen. But this is what they mean by post-truth. They're trying to find a word or an expression that was used in social media and in traditional media this year to express how people are feeling. And this word was used so many times in both social media and traditional media to describe how people felt about the elections in Britain, about the Brexit in Britain, and about the presidential elections in America. In fact, if there's one thing that we're all unified in the West these days, it is somebody from the other political party is wrong. And so the one thing that seems to unify all of the Western world is that everyone believes someone else doesn't care about truth anymore. Maybe Republicans think that you know, Hillary doesn't care about truth because she lies a lot. 
And maybe Democrats think that Donald Trump doesn't care about truth because he lies a lot. And everybody thinks that Britain doesn't care about truth because it was like, did anybody pay attention to Brexit? And so the whole world is going, what in the world is going on? People don't pay attention to truth. It's almost like people don't want to hear truth. Like ideas are more powerful than truth. And so the Oxford English Dictionary trying to capture this feeling about how everyone feels about somebody else. They chose the word post-truth. The world sure can use a little peace. Now here's the word that Webster's dictionary selected. Surreal. Surreal is this feeling that you're in a dream and yet it's reality, but this couldn't be real. It's like reality has turned into a dream or maybe a nightmare. The reason Webster's chose the word surreal as the word of the year was because it spiked in internet searches multiple times this year, more than it had ever spiked in a single time before this year. So there were several times this year where the searches for this word were greater than on any other day in the past. Again, both of the uh, different elections were part of this. The word surreal was searched all around the world. But also, there were several terrorist attacks. There was moments in France, in Germany, and even right here in our own country, when people were Googling, what, what does surreal mean? Because I think that's the feeling I have right now. Today might be a little surreal to some of you. It's Christmas Day, and yet it kind of feels like we're in Hawaii. It's 65 degrees outside. We turned on, I kid you not, in our house last night, the air conditioning. Merry Christmas. And so I thought it would be great for us to all practice today something that would be very useful to you in our Hawaiian Arkansas Christmas. Anybody ever heard the phrase mele kaliki maka? All right, let's all practice it once together. You ready? Mele kaliki maka. Yeah, you, you guys didn't really follow after me. You just kind of made up your own thing. <laughs> One more time. Mele. Mele. Kaliki. Kaliki. Maka. Maka. Mele Kaliki Maka. Mele Kaliki Maka. Yeah, say that ten times fast. <laughs> it's surreal. It's so warm out for Christmas. But this isn't really a funny thing when you think about some of the problems the world has because people are wondering, what is real? What is truth? People are living without a lot of peace, and Christ brings exactly this message. And so I want to share a few scriptures today, and they're not going to take us very long, but they're very powerful. And so if you would, write them down, or mark them in your Bible, or highlight them in your Bible app so that you can come back to these later. The first one is from Philippians 4.7. This is again Paul, who very frequently wrote to the churches about peace. In fact, this is a little side trail, but the book of Romans which we always think about as being about faith and justification. How does our salvation work? The book of Romans mentions peace multiple times, that, that Christ made peace between us and God, that God is a God of peace. And here in Philippians, Paul says that Jesus Christ gives peace beyond understanding, beyond anything that we can imagine or comprehend. He gives peace. And so the things that the world can't understand how they might deal with, the things that are so surreal, 
The things in the world that cause people to look at one another and say, no one cares about truth anymore. Even in this era, when people can't imagine peace, the promise of Scripture is that if we would give them a chance, Jesus Christ can give peace beyond our understanding, beyond our imagination. He is the giver of peace. And here's some things that Jesus said that shows that he wants to give us his peace. First of all, he, he says to all of you, peace be with you. And so I want you to repeat this after me. This is a little bit more useful than Melikaliki Maka. Okay, peace be with you. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. In fact, in many places and countries in the world, the traditional greeting hasn't been hello or how are you. The traditional greeting has been peace. Peace be with you. And so when Jesus says to them, peace be with you, he's holding in his hands not just hello and good day and welcome, but something about the culture that they lived in in which the best wish you could grant to someone else, the best gift you could give on Christmas Day or any day is the gift of peace in broken relationships, in frustrated relationships, in a world that so badly needs peace. The message of Christ to the world is peace be with you. And Jesus also says this, my peace I give you. Jesus said on the night in which he was betrayed, on the night in which he's about to go to Gethsemane, on the night that for the last six weeks Todd and I have been preaching about, the night that we've been calling the spiritual survival kit, when he knows he's going to the cross and the disciples don't understand the weight of the cross, he says to them that night, my peace I give to you. In everything that's about to happen that will feel so surreal at the cross, I give you my peace. And he also said this later that evening, in me you may have peace. And so Jesus' promise over and over and over again is that if you would come to me, you would find peace. And our question for Jesus is, what exactly do you mean? Like, what is this supposed to feel like? What... What would I experience if I had your peace? What would it look like in my tomorrow if I had your peace today? Because our imagination of peace is often so short-sighted. We think of peace many times as simply being the absence of conflict. There's not war, so it's peacetime. But the peace that Jesus knew, the peace that the apostles knew, this Hebrew word, shalom, this word for peace that they would use in their society as they greeted one another, meant so much more than the absence of war. It meant comprehensive well-being. You know, full-bodied, rich life and blessing. Any of you who have ever been in an auto accident understand the value of comprehensive how many of you have ever been in a, a fender bender or some type of accident without comprehensive insurance? And you make the call and you think, boy, I really hope that you know, all of this will be covered. And they say, I'm so sorry, you know, Mr. and Mrs. whoever, but you don't have comprehensive. You just have like the basic package. You've just got collateral. This isn't covered and you're like, man, I wish I had comprehensive Jesus' understanding of the word peace is this word that means comprehensive well-being, full-bodied life. 
And he says to the disciples, if you had my peace, this is what you would experience. Yeah, you'd have less conflict. But also, you would have deep inner and exterior quality in life and relationships. In fact, I say inner and exterior on purpose because this is something interesting about the Jews. The Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, doesn't really have the concept of inner peace. The Hebrew idea of peace comes from this idea of our exterior relationships. The things that are between us. In other words, where we started this morning. He was born for this. He was born to make this congregation, this church, this relationship. And this is the Hebrew idea of peace that we can have it in community. In fact, many times in the Old Testament when the word for peace is used, it's used to describe the two countries that aren't at war, but not just the fact that there's an absence of conflict, but also the fact that there is an abundance of free trade and trust and goodwill. And so when he uses this between us and God, he's saying, our Father in Heaven wants to give to us this restoration of relationship and goodwill, fullness of life. Here's a couple of examples of Isaiah using this word, talking about the Messiah that they were so desperately waiting for. He says about Jesus, as we read earlier today, that he will be called the Prince of Peace. Jesus doesn't just borrow or have a little bit of the peace. He has all of the peace. He's the ruler in whose kingdom real peace exists. Amen, church? He is the ruler under whose reign real peace exists. Isaiah also said this, the greatness of his peace will not end. The greatness of his peace won't wear out on Tuesday. The greatness of his peace isn't something that lasts just for a night. The greatness of his peace will reign and rule in your hearts when all else fails. And so, in the New Testament, in Paul, we start to see this idea that peace can actually be an internal thing as well. That not only can you have peace on the outside and peace going towards God in your relationship, but that inside. In your heart, you can be at rest. That God would love to give you a truly merry Christmas. One in which your cares are laid down. The angels proclaiming his birth said to those shepherds that Bennett just read to us about. And by the way, can we give Bennett a hand for reading so excellently the story of Jesus' birth? Yeah. There's several times where I've told him, and I'm still trying to persuade him, maybe you all can help me, that Bennett has missed his calling. He was meant to be a radio personality. He's got the voice. And these angels that he read about saying to those shepherds, peace to those on whom his favor rests is the present for us at Christmas today. He was born for this. You know, so often we think of Jesus' coming to earth as simply the cross. We think of Jesus' work for us as merely forgiving our sins. But church, the forgiveness of sins and the work he performed at the cross are only the beginning, the threshold of what God offers in new life in Jesus Christ. Amen, church? Amen. And so as we move deeper in 
further up and further into the relationship with Jesus, what we find is that the forgiveness that we're still grateful for is only where we started, but where we're coming to is a real knowledge of God and peace with Him. And the further up and further in we move, we start to find that the relationships we have with other people are being transformed. Yeah, fighting is less, but the richness of brotherhood in Christ is greater. Yes, quarreling starts to fall away, but peace means so much more. Peace means we know why he came, so that his peace could rest on those who have his favor. Church, may you be blessed with the favor of God today and every day, and may his peace rest on you. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together for a word of prayer, and then remain standing while we have another song right after this prayer. Our Father in heaven, we ask you this morning to let your peace rest on us. Not just the type of peace that means we have no fear of the future or that we have no enemies fighting against us, but the type of peace that means that we have a relationship with you. That our marriages, our brothers and our sisters, our children, our grandparents, in all of these relationships, that they are coming to greater and fuller depths of abundance. Give us an imagination for what comprehensive well-being would look like. God, would you not please pour into us your spirit. Give us peace with you and peace with each other. And let our world have peace today. All who agree in the name of Jesus say, Set us brought here and placed on the stage. 
And several members of the church staff have carefully cared for them all week, watered them, given them sunlight. Pam Davis and Christy Clark and Keith Bauman and Kim Graves. Can we thank them all for keeping these alive for us? And so, as Michael leads us in a couple of Christmas hymns to end the service, we're going to invite uh, children, accompanied by their parents, please, to come up and select one of these and take them back to your seat. Now, these aren't just to take home with you. They have a little note attached to them. This is for you to take to the next door neighbor or someone who you care for across town or an elderly person or someone who you've met and you think they might enjoy a little bit of Christmas peace. And you would just like to take this to them and just say, our church wanted to give you the peace of Christ today. Merry Christmas. And then let them have this poinsettia. One further comment. There is a flower arrangement behind me that is not a poinsettia. <laughs> if anyone takes it, I will not have peace with the ladies for many months to come. So please leave this arrangement here that belongs to the church and take all of the poinsettias while we sing these next few songs. If you would, stand. <laughs>
first of all, big thanks to Michael and Josh for putting together this Christmas edition and worship service. You blessed us. Uh, secondly, I'd be remiss if I didn't. This kind of snuck up on the shepherds. We've been in denial for about a year now. I guess I'll announce it. We can't put it off any longer. This is the last Sunday that our beloved Walton Hook, who served here for 150 years, <laughs> is going to be worshiping with us on a Sunday morning as a minister. Walton's retiring at the end of the year. We kept thinking we could push that a little further. Um, we can't. We're going to have a congregational celebration, remembrance of that on January 29th when we get past this holiday season. But if you see Walton today, give him a hug. And now, uh, I, uh, before we just, oh, one other thing. I count about 25 poinsettias left. Please come and get one of those and bless the name with those before you leave today. And I invite you to join with me in prayer. I pray that my words can be your words and that we can approach God the Father together and share in these petitions and thanksgivings. Father in heaven, we thank you for this season of all the reminders. We're reminded that you love us enough to send your son as a baby into this world to restore our relationship with you. We're reminded that your kingdom is one of humility and service demonstrated in the Son of God being born in a barn to a teenage girl to take on the identity of Son of Man. We're reminded that your kingdom is for all mankind as proclaimed by the angel to the shepherds. And we're also reminded that our relationship with you revolves around what's already been done for us and not upon what we can do to earn your favor and your acceptance. We're very thankful for these reminders. However, my prayer this morning is more that for me and for those praying with me to accept this baby born in Bethlehem in our hearts. I pray that we're not only reminded of the significance of this event, but that we're blessed with a conviction and a belief that it happened and that it personally affects us today. Father, I, I pray the request of the centurion. I believe. Help me in my unbelief. I pray that our faith will be deepened to the point that we ought not only know with our heads, but we feel and trust with our hearts that the greatest gift this world has ever known was given when Christ left heaven and was born into this world, and that I, that we are the recipients of that gift, I pray that our gratitude for this gift continues to grow and changes our motivations and our decisions. As we leave this gathering of believers this morning, may our identity center around being your child. I pray that we share our joy and hope found in this Christ child with our friends and neighbors that receive these poinsettias. Thank you for loving us and pursuing us. Thank you for the gift of your son. Let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. And we offer this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.